Welcome to No Challenges Remaining as we wrap up the first round of the 2021 Australian Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by NCR's intrepid Middle East correspondent, Reem Abulail. Reem, just before we started recording, Maya Sharif of Egypt won her first round match at the French Open against our favorite hardwood floors surface specialist, Chloe Paquet. Can you tell us what was the exclamation you had? <laughs> yeah, I said, which is kind of like a combo of vamos and like, you go girl, like, yeah, baby. <laughs> it's a weird Egyptian slang, but yeah, I'm very excited. Obviously, this is huge history made. And yeah, especially that it was on hard courts. She's obviously more comfortable on clay and uh, it's a fast surface. So no, I think this was big. Definitely big. And she has waiting, I guess, the match just not started yet or still just underway against Kai Yuvan and Johanna Kanta. Uh, we're going to be much more big picture, though. Just, this will be a very quick wrap up of what's happened in the first two days of the Australian Open. What are your what are your top line first impressions before I give you any sort of specific? What What, what, it, what is your first overall impression of the tournament through, through two days? I think a lot of the players who whether they were in hard quarantine or whether they've been away for a long time, someone like Akirios or... Uh, most most players have done really well. Like, I, I didn't necessarily see lots of ugly tennis. Maybe those were the matches that I watched. I think one of the people who I felt struggled a little bit was Team. Team was pushed really hard by Kukushkin in the first, like, set, set and a half or two, even throughout the whole match. But other than that, like... I watched like Sinner Chapo. They were very, very good. That was an incredible match for me. That was like the match of the day on day one. I didn't watch too many of the women, unfortunately, because I was assigned men's matches. No, I saw Halep, who was very good. Obviously, Osaka and Serena were really, really good. They finished really fast, both their yeah. matches, especially Osaka playing Pavlyuchenko the first round. I thought that would have been harder. Novak was obviously flawless. He won like 3-1 and 2 against Shardy. So yeah, overall... Not that many surprises. Were you surprised by anybody? Well, no, not really. I mean, it's not a surprise, I guess. And we're going to, this will be the first sort of segment of the, of the player focused part of the show. We're going to have a couple player interviews and stuff. But Azarenka losing to Pagula is the biggest result of, in terms of like big name, relevant player going out. But we had known that she was in hard quarantine for two weeks and Pagula wasn't. And so that was, Pagula had a real shot in the match. And we had talked to Pagula in this episode and you'll hear from her. And she knew that, or she, she she said she forgot it during the match, but knew it before the match and realized it after the match too. Um, but yeah, so that was that was there. I think there's just sort of, I think this first two rounds of this tournament is gonna be kind of like shaking off the sort of like the unequal prep like type questions, and then once we get to like the third round, second third round, let's say conservatively, I think everything will feel very normal. Like if you made it through two rounds, there's no there's no baggage, there's no hiccups. It's not about what you were doing two weeks ago at that point. I feel like. It's true, but I also think that looking at the results, they're really mixed results. I cannot draw conclusions from these results and say like, oh, people were in hard quarantine did really bad. Someone like Ons, for example, who was in hard quarantine, had a really good match against Petkovic. Like, it, I don't know. There, there are several. I, I can't. I, I don't think we. It would be fair to draw conclusions. Honestly, about. if you had shown me this draw 
uh, 12 months ago during the 2020 Australian Open, or a little bit more than 12 months ago during the 2020 Australian Open, and said this is the what's going to happen in the first two days of the 2021 Australian Open. I'd be like, yeah, it looks plausible. Nothing is like crazy. No, I mean, nothing is particularly like, wow, something must be up here because this scoreline happened to this person. I mean, like some of the things, you know, are continuing trends like Goffin continues to struggle that was a story from last year like because he lost in five to Alex Alexei Paparin oh that's not a horrible loss Monfils yeah because he got really emotional but he already has spoken a lot about his struggles he just can't for some reason he's really struggling since the pandemic and and I think that was such a I don't know I, I've, I've never seen Gael feel look that emotional or like sad like he's emotional yeah. but usually happy emotional like it was sad to see him that way but also he played a guy who but of I mean of all the people who could have played he played with the guy who was his practice partner for two weeks yeah Rusevori so yeah I, I think that it's I mean I think this is again it's something I talk about in this show later which we'll get to with Jesse Pagula but like after all the after the two weeks being there in either whether it was hard quarantine or just only that out of room for five hours a day, it's still a very intense experience of being there waiting, anticipating your first match, right? And I do feel like it makes a lot of the sort of anxiety or stress of these moments heightened for people. You've had so much time to anticipate your first match and to wait for it. I, maybe that just makes things a little bit more fraught. And the other thing, I, I, I my biggest impression, honestly, of the first two days has just been that the crowd has not been what we're used to at the Australian Open. I know that they obviously have limited attendance but it's basically it's it's barely i believe i thought it was like seventeen thousand for day one which it usually is around i think the cap was set at thirty thousand, so that's well well under the cap of what they were putting and i think that just makes the energy a little bit different and a little bit maybe tougher especially if you're on an outer court like malfis was not on a main court when he played against rusevori he's not gonna get and he's somebody who feeds off crowd energy so if he's out on like an outer court that's pretty empty he's he's he might feel even more flat and not sort of pull through in these certain ways so I, we'll see how that continues to play if it's a, a neutralizer or what but that's the main reaction it's just like it doesn't feel the same way that the other two slams didn't feel uh, like themselves last year after the pandemic but this one we were sort of i think was billed more as like tennis back to normal a little bit and it hasn't been visually and audio it's just it's just doesn't the crowd is not the same if anything, I think the smaller courts are better. The outside courts are better because the big stadiums, it's very jarring to see these big stadiums empty for big names in Melbourne. Yeah. Whereas the outside courts, like some of them barely have any seating. So there's people like with Mayor's match, for example, she was on court six, but there were just like, I don't know, not many fans. Yeah, that's one of the very smallest courts. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of these. So I don't know. But I agree. I agree. It's very weird to see to see the Australian Open allowing fans and not having that many fans in the stands. I'm sure there's an explanation for that. Um, I think one of the main things for that, from what I can, there's two factors, I think, from I talk to people, you know, in Australia about this, friends of mine down there. And I think there's two things. The first one is the lack of travel, obviously. This is a big part of it. I think something, I was looking at their stats they put out in past years, like more than half of Australian Open fans or attendees, they say, in like 2020 came from outside of Melbourne. Like mm. around 50 something percent. So like above half, not much about half, but above half. So and that includes elsewhere in Victoria, but also a lot of people come from Sydney. And then obviously big, decent chunk of people come from internationally. It's a big bucket list kind of trip, the Australian Open for a lot of people. And pretty much none of those people are making the travel, domestic travel too. It's very fraught in Australia. There's occasionally been state border closures and people are very reluctant to leave their home state and go somewhere else and just not feeling the ease of travel and the second thing is that even you know my friend who lives in victoria and could take the train to the 
Tennis uh, was saying that people just don't, it, it feels like a big step, you know, going back to a big public event, you know, after spending so much time, like, just like, you feel a little bit apprehensive still about doing it. And we'll see how that, that comes back. Cause those are, those are two things that tennis will need to be, you know, kind of as they were in order to feel like itself again, it'll be easy travel domestic international and people being eager and willing to get in big crowds again. And so maybe, maybe this, maybe this tournament is just sort of showing that even if the numbers are pretty much zero, like they are in, in Australia, that maybe those things don't aren't like flipping a switch as quickly as maybe we thought. And the third thing I should mention is that uh, a lot of people have mentioned also is that this tournament taking place in February rather than January means that the school kids are, are back in school and don't have as much free time to be wandering around with grounds passes and such. Uh, another thing from a different perspective is for the players. I, I was surprised when team, not surprised, but I didn't think about it that way. Team was saying yesterday that actually the players are now needing to readjust playing in front of fans because he was like, at the beginning, it was very strange playing without fans. And then there were just some fans in Ro- uh, Roland Garros and then there were no fans after that. And then he was like, in Adelaide, there were 4,000 people. And I was suddenly like, oh, wow, like I need to get used to this again. So, which I didn't even realize was a thing. So I'm wondering if, if and when stadiums do get back to full, hopefully they will get back to full capacity at some point, that must that will probably require, require some adjustment from the players as well. So. One last person I want to give a shout out to before wrapping up here, just because again, this will be pretty brief. Bianca Andrescu. It's great to see her back. She looked very sharp and played against Mihaela Buzernescu, who actually looked really good too. That was a very high quality match. Uh, Andrescu wins it in three after coming back from down love 40 at three all in the, uh, in the third set, she digs out of that hole and then wins that final set six, three, just her sort of like charisma and energy on court. I'd really missed it's, it's unique and it feels it's, it's very powerful, her sort of presence out there. And so seeing her back looking relatively not that rusty was pretty cool. So good to see Bianca back. She's the one person I want to single out. And she's in a fun section of the draw playing against Shea Suwe next, and then the winner of that one to play against Venus or Sarah Arani. Uh, so. Yeah. The second I saw Bianca on court, I, I was like, oh my god, I miss this so much. Like, she really does have that charisma you're talking about. You you can't not watch. Like, I was on a diff... I was working on something else, but I had to put her up on the TV because I was like, she's just great to watch. And I really, really, really hope that she stays healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed for everyone down there to have a good time, stay healthy, enjoy the tennis. Thank you, Reem. We're now going to hear from what men- match I mentioned, Victoria Azarenka, who made the U.S. Open final last year and won the Australian Open twice, lost in the first round, 7-5, 6-4 to Jesse Pagula. And here is what Azarenka had to say about that. You've won the tournament twice here, and, um, and obviously you had such a tough preparation going in. I guess people were wondering whether or not that, that impacted on, on how you could perform. Of course, it, it of course it has impacted. You know, so, somebody who's coming out of ho- hard quarantine and maybe as it has been able to adjust well, they'll be like, oh, maybe it has an impact. And somebody who lost early will say, oh yeah, of course, every it's impacted. Like it would be hard to say, like, was that the best preparation for me? No. But you know, try to sit here and find an excuse because of quarantine and and this is just something that, as I said, it is what it is. I'm disappointed that I wasn't able to perform that I knew I could. Um, that's a bit hard to accept today um, because I knew I, c- I could do, I know I can play better, a lot better, but I, at the same time, I feel that I've tried everything I can to be able to be prepared, but unfortunately that hasn't worked out for me. 
Yep, on the left. Can you talk about that, what, what you did to prepare for the tournament after getting released from the lockdown or even during the lockdown itself? How did you get yourself ready? I mean, the most creative way possible is hitting against the wall in the sofa cushions. I mean, it <laughs> doesn't work. But I think the biggest impact uh, for me personally has been not being able to be, have fresh air and uh, that really took a toll. They really took a toll um, for for me to adjust, uh, and at the same time, it's something like I don't know how to prepare after two two, <laughs> two weeks quarantine to play in six days match or five days match. I don't I don't have a blueprint of how how to how to prepare. So it's all about like trying to figure it out, and I did not figure it out. <laughs> not not this time. It was a tough loss for Azarenka, but it was a big win for Jessie Pegula, who's been racking up a very solid number of them recently as she's built herself into being a very reliable top 100 player, creeping on the edge of the top 50. Jessie, you deep, long-time NCR listeners may remember, was a guest on the show way back in 2013, one of the first guests we ever had. She's missed a lot of time on tour since then with various injuries, and so she still maybe is an unknown quantity to some people. Uh, but it's, she's getting more and more known, and it's in a good section of the draw to become even more known after this. So we thought it'd be good to check up with Jessie Pagula for her thoughts on the match, quarantining, and more. I don't know if you remember, it's like eight years ago in Charleston. Courtney and I did one with you there at the at that tournament. Episode, I was looking it up actually before you came in because I was waiting. It was like episode 33, and now this is episode 293. So you've been around for a while on the on the tour do you feel you're still obviously only 26 but do you feel like a veteran who has seen it all at this point or do you feel like a lot of this world is still feeling new to you yeah no this is all still new i was just talking to isla tomanovich and she was like gosh it's crazy how young everyone is like you hear the year they're born and you're like oh my gosh like people used to say i was young and yeah. she's like, you know, I don't feel that old. I was like, neither do I. And we're like, I guess that's good. <laughs> but no, I don't. I really don't. I honestly like, I mean, you guys know I had so many injuries where I was out for yeah. two years at a time. Then I was back in two years. So I really don't feel like I don't feel like I'm a veteran. Like a lot of these experiences are still new to me. I mean, it's the first time I've won a first round here. Yeah. And yeah, I know I've been playing pretty consistent the last couple of years and having good results. But that's just because I stayed healthy. So I, yeah, I don't really, I, this is all very new. I don't feel very old. <laughs> Do you feel like you're, this is all just, like you said, a, a product of your health, that if you had had the good health before, this sort of trajectory was going to be there? Or are you unlocking things that weren't there before also? No, I, I definitely think, I like, I'm a big believer in, like, everyone's journey is very different. Yeah. And I think that I learned so many things when I was out for being hurt. So I can't honestly say that if I was healthy, I would have been as good. To be honest, I probably don't think so. Hmm. maybe I would have made more runs or gotten to a higher ranking, but I think that I learned so much from, uh, you know, the couple years here and there that I was out, you know, about my body, fitness, how to train, better ways to train, you know, what works for me that maybe isn't the same as someone else. So I honestly think it's, it was a good thing. I think it was meant to happen. So um, that's just kind of my mindset on that. When you look at your, you know, things that you've achieved now, where does this win today over a player like Tori Azarenka who's won this tournament twice. Uh, where does this sort of rank for you? How do you put this in context of this whole journey of yours? I mean, I think it's definitely, I mean, obviously considering she was in the strict quarantine, she obviously wasn't feeling well. 
all those factors still set aside. I mean, I think that, yeah, it's definitely one of my bigger wins just to beat her here, you know, first round where she's played so well and she's coming off, you know, a good end of last year where she was really starting to play back like how she used to. So I think, yeah, I think mentally it was, there was a lot of things to overcome today. Um, It may seem easier because, you know, she hasn't been practicing or, you know, she was, she wasn't feeling well at the end and that's all true. But I mean, honestly, to me, I think it's almost harder to win matches like that sometimes um, mentally knowing, okay, she has been practicing. Okay. She's not feeling well, you know, and then you saw she played pretty well there for a couple of games. Cause she's kind of like, you know, screw it, whatever hitting balls. So yeah. So I'm proud that I was able to overcome, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, so definitely one of the top, if not the top, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> when. You, that was one of the big talking points in the whole tournament today not just your match but a lot of the matches like how big an impact will it be when there's a player one player who was in hard quarantine playing it's a player who wasn't when there's a bunch of different matches that are like that unsurprisingly today how much were you thinking about that before the match just in terms of if that adds confidence for you if it adds pressure if it adds sort of you know you feel like you really shouldn't lose to someone who is in hard quarantine or do you change tactics just how, how does that knowing that difference how does that affect you before the match and I guess during the match yeah I mean knowing her I mean you know she's gonna go out there and bite and play well I mean she's a champion she's not just because she didn't play for two weeks obviously yeah maybe movement reaction time a little bit but I mean she's still gonna play well I mean she was playing well at five two you know so I honestly didn't really kind of forgot about it until after the match day and I won and I kind of like realized oh yeah she was in hard quarantine like it didn't really wasn't really in my mind. I think it was more harder dealing with it at the end of the second set when she clearly wasn't feeling well. And then I, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, maybe she's not used to the heat. Maybe, you know, like different things. Yeah. I think it was more just me closing that match out because I had a match last week where I played Sonya Kennan and I was up a set in 4-1 playing pretty well and I didn't close it out. And she ended up getting back in the match and then playing very, very, very good third set. So there was a lot of things going on. But yeah, I think you just, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it it sucks. Obviously, I wasn't in the hard quarantine. I know a lot of the girls where I know them and they're like, yeah, you know, it sucked. But I think it's just, you know, you got to deal with it and you were dealt. So I'm, I'm glad that I took advantage of it. If that, you know, did play into it and helped me. Again, I'm, I'm glad that I took the opportunity to do that because, I mean, all in all, she still wanted to beat me. I still wanted to beat her. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, once you get out there, whatever, you want to win. Just also on that emotional sort of side, too, I've just been wondering how magnified everything would feel in this first round because you've been there waiting for this match for so long. Well, I guess there's a warm-up tournament, too, but obviously that's very much still in the shadow of the Grand Slam. It's right on the horizon. So having to wait, you know, the two weeks in the hard or still pretty tough, you know, 19-hour quarantine, all for this, like, first match anticipation, like, wondering what your draw is going to be, you know, all this sorts of stuff, like how just like, I would feel like everything would be really heightened. I don't know if it's that been your experience too. Does that seem like it's the vibe? That no, yeah, sort of like I think stakes are higher. It was definitely heightened. I think just cause everyone's been cooped up. Obviously we had the week before, which I think really helped because it did kind of feel like we were already not playing the Australian open, but we were here. Like it was at the same site. We were doing the same things. Like, so I think that actually really helped. At least it helped me, but yeah, of course everything feels heightened. Just knowing the quarantine, you know, the people that, we're stuck and this and all like all the stuff going on. I think everyone was definitely heightened. And again, yeah, some things weren't fair compared to other players, but I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it at certain, at a certain point, but yeah, emotionally it it was a little tough, but 
I, I was able to play last week, and I think winning a couple matches really helped because I was in Abu Dhabi, yeah. and I lost a tough one first round to Svitolina. So, like, it was almost that two-week quarantine, quarantine time seemed a little bit more stressful than the week before just because I'm, I'm glad I just got, you know, two matches before I, before I got here because I think yeah. that definitely helped loosen me up. This is my first time not being in Australia for 10 years. And I'm just curious what the my biggest question is like what the vibe is like there. Because it looks different on TV. There's not a lot of crowds what we can see on most uh, courts. Like what just what is it? You've been there before, obviously. Like what is it? What does it feel like on the ground? I'm just that's one of the things I'm like most curious about yeah, everything there. It's definitely not as busy on the ground. It doesn't you don't really have that like energy that when you walk out there, you kind of feel like everyone around you. Even on TV, when you kind of watch, like, you know, they pan out, you're used to seeing, like, all these people, and there's not. But, uh, but like, playing on a, I mean, I've obviously played on a bigger court, and having a lot of people, there weren't a ton of people, but it was enough to where, you know, when the cheering and stuff happened, it did still seem loud. So that was really, really fun for me, because um, you could definitely, I didn't really notice that much with, I mean, I'm sure it looked more empty on TV, but it really didn't feel like it. Mm. So that's been nice, but... I think inside everything feels kind of the same, but yeah, when you kind of walk outside, it, it doesn't quite have the same energy, but yeah, I mean, it feels okay. Like going to the, you know, when you go to eat, when you go downstairs, when you're in the media room, it all seems still pretty normal, I think. Right. But the in, sort of like the inner like guts of the tournament. Yeah, still the same, we're all yeah. like doing the same thing, but then yeah, we, I know what you mean because that like yeah, when you walk outside or when you're watching on TV, it it seems weird. It doesn't seem the same like yeah. at all. <laughs> this is like it's your third weird slam you would have played then now. Just like how different have each yeah. of these? How different have each of these things? No, and I, I've felt? done the best in each. Yeah. One, well, not the French, but yeah. What was your question? How would I? How would you describe each of them? I guess how different does this feel like the U.S. Open? Does it feel like the French Open? Or each its own sort of. No, I animal? mean definitely having the crowd here is definitely feels more alive than U.S. Open. U.S. Open, yeah. it's a huge sight and it just felt dead because there, it was dead. There was nobody there, so yeah. that did feel that felt weird, especially because I played Kvitova like night match on Ash yeah. and it was just dead. I was like, this is so like awkward, and. So see, this has definitely felt the best for sure because there's fans. As far as like logistics go, obviously we did the quarantine, which was really tough. But then we were able to now we can go out to dinner and we can do stuff, and it, you don't feel as kind of cooped up. And the French, there was kind of fans there, but I didn't play on a big court, so like it felt dead there too. And the weather was terrible, so that yeah. made it. That actually was what made it so bad was that it literally was raining and cold. I played late every match and every match it was just, it was like, it was horrible. The conditions were so bad. There's a lot of attention on like the reaction to players, quarantines, complaints and some of that before the tournament. And I'm just wondering like if the vibe like in the city when you've been out feels different around the tennis than in years past. If, it, if it, I, I don't know how you would quantify that or how that might, you might perceive that, but does just the vibe in Melbourne feel different? Yeah, a little bit, like maybe not quite as busy, um, I guess they just went back to work like last week. So yeah. I think it's it started to seem more busy when we first got here. We were obviously in our hotel rooms, but even looking outside, like it seemed kind of dead. But I guess they just went back to work kind of like last week. And school went back in session, I heard, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, it seems like it's getting more busy when I'm staying in kind of a busier area too. So yeah, I mean, it was busy like Saturday night and everyone was going out. So yeah, I mean, that then it seemed busy. I think it's it's starting, seems like it's starting to get back. A little bit is it, normal. Is it going to be hard to go back to the U.S. or wherever you're going to next after being be, after being this sort of country that's you don't have to wear masks where yeah. things are open? How's that 
get a feel, do you think? Yeah, I think it's just nice not being in a bubble. When you go back, I can go walk and get coffee. I can go walk and do this. And just not even that I'm outside that much, but just to go out and do that, like run to the store, go to the whatever, like go shopping, go get your nails done down the street. Just like little things like that definitely make a big difference. Um, I'll probably play Doha Dubai. So I'm sure we'll probably be in like somewhat of a bubble. And then I, I live in Florida and they've like... I know they've been pretty open, but I also don't really do much when I'm home. So it doesn't really like I just home. I like home, go to practice, go to the grocery store, I guess. Like that's about it. Like there's not really much going on. So for me, it doesn't feel that bad when I'm home in Florida. And obviously the weather's nice too. Like, you know, we're not snowed in where we can't be outside. You obviously have a lot more knowledge of other major pro sports with your family connections to in terms of what's going on in NFL and NHL. I'm wondering, like, you following how all these different sports are handling, and those those two sports plus tennis that have very different approaches and reactions to yeah. everything going on during the the quarantine. What do you think there are things that each of those sports could could learn from each other in terms of like are there things that how the NFL is handling things that could be different? The NHL obviously for their playoffs had this whole different bubble set up uh, in Canada. You know, could tennis emulate any of those things? Could they? teach those sports other things or they are just such I mean, completely different worlds that's not relatable. I think it's just it's so different. Like like they're able in the NFL to really keep a bubble around their facility because they have one facility, a practice facility, their yeah. games, they charter planes every time, every team. So I yeah. mean you can always kind of like keep this bubble moving. I think it's so hard with tennis because it's international. You have people flying in from different countries, from different stuff. I however really do love the fact that like these big areas like New York City and Melbourne are playing multiple events in one yeah. location. I really don't mind that. Even US Open, I was totally fine playing Cincinnati US Open at the same. I mean, if there's a way they could do that, obviously that would be great. But, um, you know, it's so tough with the schedule, international travel, depending on, you know, where the tournament is, you know, money, obviously, TV, there's so many different factors. <laughs> in it but i i do love like that they kept you know the tournament here then australian open then they're having another tournament the second week like i think that's a good idea that i hope maybe more of the bigger tournaments you know could adapt to um and i think the players don't mind being in one place like i don't think we mind it at all really so maybe something like that um but it's hard to compare to the other to the other sports it just seems so different to me just knowing like my parents and stuff they're pretty under pretty strict protocols too with the NFL, like, you know, getting tested literally like every other day and stuff like that. So yeah, I guess it's just different, but hopefully we can kind of evolve as, as this thing kind of carries over yeah. into this year, which seems like it's going to be here for a while. So. Yeah. I guess it's less sort of thing. Obviously you still have a lot, obviously you can still do a lot more winning in Melbourne. So you're not nowhere near done there, but mm-hmm. already are you looking ahead to sort of, I guess what, you just sort of alluded to it there, like what's lying ahead, the uncertainty of the rest of this schedule. Does it make it feel different when you're at this tournament, not knowing when, how, and what the, like the next Grand Slam event will be like necessarily? Yeah. I mean, I think we're looking at Europe and we're all kind of talking like, okay, this is starting to get a little weird. Like, you know, with the UK strain, it's like, okay, Wimbledon and the French again and the whole Europe swing, I think, I think will kind of maybe be the toughest thing to kind of happen just because, you know, the U.S. here, obviously, they had a lot of time to plan and they have these big facilities that can hold all this stuff. But like, you know, we were even saying, like being in London, like everyone stays in the village. Like it's going to be so hard to bubble that and have people like staying in the city, taking like almost an hour to get to the courts. Like just 
there's all these uncertainties. So even last year, I kind of felt like that too. I was kind of like, I don't even know when I'm going to play again. Like, I really want to win because you really don't know. But I think you also kind of appreciate that, that, wow, we're even lucky to be back playing right now, to be yeah. honest. I mean, there's so many people, jobs, everything struggling to even go on. Obviously, I think it's great being able to watch sports. Like even me, like I watched way more football this year because there was like nothing. It was like something to look forward to. And obviously I'm a sports fanatic. So like I love looking forward to a sporting event coming back during this time. But um, yeah, you definitely kind of have this appreciation like, wow, like you're going to go out there and compete and give it your all because you really there's you don't know if there's a next week, which is which is crazy. But at the same time, we're still lucky to be here to be here playing. But Hopefully they they send out a schedule and hopefully it kind of stays how it is. We'll see, I guess. So it's so week to week. See, thank you very much, Jesse. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. The second player we're going to hear from is one of the players who had one of the most emphatic wins on Tuesday in Melbourne. That is another American, Anne Lee, who won in just forty seven minutes over the thirty first seed Zhang Shui. Six two six zero. Very emphatic performance, Anne Lee of King of Prussia near Philadelphia. Although, as you will find out at the end of this interview, her Philadelphia bona fides are perhaps a bit dubious. Thank you, Anne Lee, very much for coming in. Appreciate it. And congratulations on your win today. That was super impressive. How did you? Yeah. How did you feel winning two and zero against a seed at a Grand Slam? How did that feel? Yeah, I mean, every match is, is another match you try not to think about who you're playing, you know. But um, I'm really happy with the way I competed out there and and tried to stay physically strong and and keep implementing my game. So I'm glad I was able to win that match. You've been moving up the rankings quite a bit in the last year or so at a time when it's not easy to move up the rankings with how they've sort of frozen stuff. I think you basically cut your ranking in half. You're like outside top 120. Now you're in top 70 and still moving up. I mean, how how hard? What has that been like? And also, just what's your attitude towards this sort of this period, this unique time on the tour? Yeah, uh, it's definitely a difficult time yeah. <laughs> for everyone. Um, and I think we all take in the situation differently. But I mean, for me, I just feel grateful to be able to play and compete. And uh, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't focus on rankings really ever. Uh, just kind of focus on the process and getting better every day. And when I'm playing matches, I try to do what I learned and, and do the right thing, play the right way. So I think that's just the main focus for me. And, and I've been able to do that pretty well. In terms of your mental approach at this time, are you still, you think, as hungry as you would be normally? Are you giving, cutting yourself a little more slack because of how difficult everything in the world is now? Or how are you still full steam ahead or, you know, or like more moderated with, yeah. with your approach? I think it's... Actually, being uh, in like these weird times, like having to be in lockdown and and not play for a while, have a long preseason, it really makes me want to compete more. Mm. And I think honestly, it's been helping me because I I find that I really want to enjoy every moment I am on court because you know not being able to compete for a long time and it just it it made me really happy to be on court and. I think that's one of my main focuses also, just, just enjoy being out there and every point kind of play with a purpose and because you don't know if you're going to not be able to play a tournament for, an, for another while. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, for me, I just it, it makes me enjoy it more. So let's talk about, I guess, this journey, particularly in Australia, which maybe is sort of a microcosm of that, exactly what you're talking about. So you fly down, I think, I'm guessing you're on the LA flight that had the positive test. Is that right? 
So what was your reaction, I guess, when that news of the positive came out? Yeah, um, it was definitely like the worst thing that could have happened. Uh, so we were a bit unlucky in that, that situation. But I mean, there were other flights as well. So other players were in the same situation. So uh, it was really nice. And then to make another draw, yeah. you know, for all of us to kind of keep it fair in a way. But um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest of news to hear. <laughs> but I mean, there's nothing you can really do about yeah. it. So I think for me, like, I just knew I was going to have to work really hard uh, in my room and, you know, try to stay positive. And I only had like one breakdown, which I'm happy about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I stayed pretty, uh, pretty calm and, and just try to work really hard. And again, like I was itching to, you know, get out there on the court and play, but it wasn't something like, you know, I was freaking out, but yeah. What, what, what was there a moment that caused your one breakdown? I mean, cause it had to be tough. You're sort of alone <laughs> in there with your thoughts for 14 days. <laughs> I, only yeah. one sounds like a pretty good number, honestly. I think double digits were easily understandable, but only one is, is pretty good. So what was it like mentally? Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself, yeah, yeah. I will say. Yeah. Uh, but it was just because, uh, yeah, I was I was trying to work out, and it was almost like coming from preseason, from working out like a ton, you want to just go to Australia and play tennis, yeah. you know? So I felt like it was almost like I was just working out, working out, working out, like over and over again. But it was okay, yeah, I mean... After that, I kind of just relaxed a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's again, like, you can't really do anything about it. So there's no reason to freak out or, or you know, complain. And um, so I think, yeah. So what was your hotel room workout routine like then? Yeah, so I would work out. I would try to wake up pretty early. I found that I like waking up early. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, you know, get a little bit of an early start uh, than everyone. But so I would work out at nine and I would kind of FaceTime my fitness coach. And uh, then I would work out again at like two or three. And then before that, I would try to shadow or hit against a mattress. Mm. So I would try to do that maybe twice a day and then also work out twice a day. Did you feel like you were really, I was wondering this about the mattress hitting specifically with the players. Like how much did you actually feel like you were gaining from that from like a tennis level of, of that kind of activity yeah. of hitting against the mattress? Uh, <laughs> it's definitely better than doing nothing, yeah. that's for sure. Um, and I think that also, like, we would have meetings about updates and everything. So I think in a way that also helped because it keeps your mind kind of active and thinking about tennis. And think, uh, I also tried to watch a lot of matches every day. Hmm. So I think even though I wasn't playing or anything, I would keep my mind activated and kind of ready to go. What matches were you watching? Um, I watched some old ones. I watched I watched some of Serena. I watched some Bianca. Uh, I watched some uh, Justine Hennen, okay. some Kleisters. Usually I would watch men's matches, but uh, the, these women's matches were great. And, you know, also try to watch myself a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So you, yeah. you come out of, of the blocks, I guess, like you said, there was this new event that was made for the players who were in the hard quarantine, the Grampians Trophy event which had to be a big relief for you too, feeling like you're on level playing field with, with folks, at least for the first week. How exciting was that draw to get to play? And then you were you were killing it once you were in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely it was nice to have kind of a fairness, I guess, and be in the same situation yeah. as uh, the rest of the draw. But yeah, I was just really happy to be able to play. And uh, I think coming out of there, I, you know, I had high expectations about you know, my attitude and what I wanted to do on court. But, you know, there's nothing about, oh, I, I really want to, like, I have to win this match. So it's never really about, you know, results. Obviously, you want to win. But I think for me, just focusing on what I've been working on and 
And again, like thinking about the long run and the process. This is a unique ending to that tournament, obviously. They didn't want to playing a final because it was getting pretty close to the major. <laughs> what was was that? Yeah. Was that tough news for you? Did you were you happy about that decision? How, how was that to sort of? And you did wind up, you know, yeah, in the end, cool. sharing the holding of a trophy yeah. with with Annette. But how how was that yeah. that cl- that finish to the tournament for you? Um, yeah, I think again with me, like kind of just you know, it is what it yeah. is. And I was actually really happy to get a bit a break before my match. Yeah. So I think my body really appreciated that. And, you know, like, with the scheduling, it, it made sense. I mean, so whatever they decided, like, it was good. But, uh, yeah, I was happy to get that win. It was a really fun match against Jen. Yeah, yeah I would have loved to play, but, you know, it's it's it was nice to share the trophy with Contivet. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a little bit of a funny moment there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely unique in the sort of WTA record. I don't know how they're going to list it and whoever won that for that trophy, but definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely unique. Hopefully they put me as I won the match. Yeah, for, for sure, hopefully. <laughs> Um, so you, uh, yeah, you won, you won the, that battle of Pennsylvania against, against Jen Brady, uh, before, and I, I actually just for other parts of your sort of background, I talked, spoke to Zhang Shui before you were in here and she was very impressed by your game, but also very excited to see you as a player who can speak some Mandarin on tour. Yeah. Before the match, I, I know she's parents from China because she named already, uh, we can know is Chinese. And then we talk a little bit uh, uh, Mandarin, and I say that you play so well, and uh, keep going, and good luck for you. And she say, oh, thank you. My my Chinese Mandarin knows so well, but still learn. And uh, yes, she's pretty nice, nice girl, and uh, she played really well. So hopefully she can keep going. And uh, mm, I also, yeah, really like her ten- tennis. So... I learned from the match, so I think really, really nice, 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 nice player. What was that conversation like with you two on court? Because you had quite a nice little yeah, chat after, was, after the match. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really know. We never really talked before, so uh, I, you know, yeah. wasn't sure. But uh, she was very nice. I mean, after the match, we, you know, we thanked each other for a great match, and and she was basically like. Yeah, like you play really well, and and I told her that I needed to practice my Chinese because <laughs> that was the first time I spoke in a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was really nice, and uh, you know that just shows that I need to you know work on my Chinese yeah. for sure. I've been meaning to do that, but it hasn't come around. Yeah, it was a really nice moment, and you know hopefully you can have another match. Have you interacted much with the other Chinese with the Chinese players on tour? Because uh, like, there's a decent contingent of them now yeah. who are at WTA level. Yeah. Uh, there's a few, uh, I think, uh, around my age yeah. or maybe a little younger, but uh, yeah, we do say hi and we talk and it is a nice moment and it's nice to have, you know, friends from them too. Cool. Yeah, it's a different, unique sort of bridge you can be there, I guess, between the two. Yeah. Between the two up, sometimes <laughs> yeah, a little separate. bit of uh, Chinese English yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I spe- actually, on that note, I remember seeing a post from two years ago, I guess now, from Christy Ahn. Who posted a photo of the Wimbledon final uh, between you and and Claire Liu? She's I think she said the picture needs to resurface every year as like a reminder that like <laughs> Asian Americans are breaking boundaries. Yeah. Um, and this was the final junior yeah. Wimbledon with two Asian Americans. I guess curious what you think of that and, and this sort of breakthroughs also that Asian Americans specifically are having yeah. in, in tennis and yeah, and that moment too, which I remember really that final cool. well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I that was probably one of the best moments of of my career. Still, yeah. uh, I mean first time there and and i i want to say grass is my favorite service to play on uh so it was really fun for me and you know being so close to the pros and and because it's still a junior tournament so it was fairly new to me uh like seeing all the pros and 
I got to see Federer multiple times. Nice. Took multiple pictures <laughs> every chance that I got. But uh, yeah, it was really nice, and it's great to see. I still talk with Claire. We're good friends. So I mean, it's great and seeing. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing more Asian Americans coming along. So it's it's really cool. There was like in grandparents. There was like a sort of floaty backhand down the line winner you hit ah. at some point people were people said that looks like a, a, a shot from a player who's watched a lot of Federer in her day <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 very cool that was a good one <laughs> couple couple last questions um you're from near Philly and I was wondering seeing the videos your training videos off season here's one of you like running on the beach uh one of you like hopping up a garage ramp yeah. I'm wondering if you have like when you're doing these things, if you have like a Rocky montage mentality in your head, I don't know if you've seen Rocky, the Rocky movies or not, but no, no. Okay. I've never seen them. Okay. 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 I was told I should. And I definitely, I mean, it's such a famous movie. It's like a classic. So I definitely need to get on that. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I've never seen that. And then I have one other Philly question. Maybe, I don't know if you'll know this one either, but from Courtney, who, when I told her I was talking to you here, she wanted me to ask you how you feel about gritty. You know Gritty? No. He's the Flyers mascot. Gritty? No? No, it's okay. It's okay. All right. 0 for 2 on Philly. All right. That's fine. You've been busy. You've been doing other things. So it's fine. <laughs> no worries. We, you can go look up Gritty oh, and, and, and will, try to in person. I will you know, do my research. Yeah. After. Yeah. Right. And thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. So thank you to Ann Lee. Hope that she can grit out some wins in the future. And thank you guys for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to support the show during the Australian Open and wherever else, you can do so on our Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. Want to thank our Patreon Slam Champ Packers. We thank every episode. They are Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Cheryl Mulroy, Anna Valinder, Susanna W., Jean Simeon, and Antonio Maycumber, and our GOAT backers, Mike, Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver, and J.O.D. Until next time, keep running up those stairs, folks. Bye, guys.